This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, it's Laura After Hours and this is Flim and M. So this podcast is more of a one-on-one with me and Jeremy Tache, simply talking about our fan appreciation of comedian John Mulaney, or if you're a fan of the show, James Mulvaney. The reason we did this was simply not to react to the news about a month ago of his rehab, and this was recorded about a month ago when I reached out to Jeremy. I just wanted to kind of talk about what we found, because I know we have a mutual appreciation of John Mulaney, what we found interesting about him, what we love about his comedy, and send some positive energy out into the world for what he's going through, as I'm sure a lot of people go through drug addictions, alcohol addictions. But again, if you're looking for a reaction podcast, this isn't it. This is two guys fanboying over somebody that we love and appreciate as a comedian. And we hope you all enjoy. And I'm back. And he is back. That is Jeremy Taché, Lauer After Hour friend, Lamely. I'm Fleminem. This is Lauer After Hours. And Jeremy is the co-host of Swings and Mishes, Nickelodeon, and associate producer at WSVN Sports. Jeremy, I know this is my first time meeting you. It's a pleasure. Have you been on with the Lauer Rangers three or four times? God, I, yeah, third or fourth. I'm not, I'm not totally yeah, sure. Yeah, so no big deal. What we're doing uh, today is a little different, as in there aren't 20 of us staring Jeremy in the face. Uh, this may be our first one-on-one. I'm not 100% sure. This isn't an interview with Jeremy. This is going to be a dialogue. I reached out to Jeremy knowing that he is a huge John Mulaney fan, as am I. And um, obviously, Jeremy, I'll let you talk after. Yeah. This isn't a reactionary podcast to the depressing situation that happened with John Mulaney. This is more of a celebration and complimentary podcast of the genius comedy that is John Mulaney. Kind of a thank you and pull through. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and when you reached out, um, ironically, I had literally minutes before that been talking about Mulaney with my girlfriend. Oh, wow. And in like a positive way, like we were just cracking right. jokes because literally half of our language together is in John Mulaney jokes. Um, and, you know, I thought the way that, that you brought it up to me and that this was not to be reactionary, but just to sort of be two guys who love John Mulaney celebrating John Mulaney in a moment where, you know, maybe he could use a little love, whether he hears Absolutely. it or not, like sending that energy his direction uh, is something that felt really good to me and and yeah i mean this is the the furthest from a reaction and i truly truly believe that john is like i think it's the most courageous thing ever that john mulaney's going to get himself the help that he needs when it comes to drugs and alcohol and like he's just it, it like personifies all the wonderful things that i already think about him the fact that he's doing that for himself um and taking that type of step and being vulnerable and and all the things that come with that. And yeah, this is again, this is like from this moment forward, I don't think we'll speak about that again. It's just that on the front end, obviously, that's that's like what's quote unquote in the news. But this is just to be a fun. Yeah. Let's talk about John Mulaney's comedy and what makes him great. Yeah. And that's just the elephant in the room that a lot of people can relate to. Uh, but that's that. Let's talk about John Mulaney. Uh, I know you said that you and your girlfriend have your own language and my wife and I are big Mulaney fans as well. And 
We believe he may be the GOAT. The debate is obviously between him and Chappelle in our household. And I know that saying this on a recorded airline <laughs> is going to get me destroyed by the 20 people that hear it. But anyways, so you and your girlfriend have your own language. How did you get into John Mulaney and how did y'all create this language? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, so we've been dating for, for seven years. And in our first year of our relationship, and now I'm, now I'm struggling to remember, I think it was her roommate who showed her a few different Mulaney bits. And then her sister reached out after that and had seen just like one clipped bit uh, from New in Town and was like, have you guys seen this comedian? And so she and I watched him together. And, you know, when you watch stand up at home on Netflix or whatever it is, you'll laugh. But it's I'm hard pressed to find myself sitting on the couch, like crying of laughter. And she and I immediately were just in tears right. within the first 10 minutes of watching New in Town in full. And I was just like, who is this guy? And how did he, how did I not know who he was? And how is he coming to our lives now? And so since then, we've obviously, I mean, I've listened to, started with New in Town, you go back to the top part, and then you go forward with, I think, what, the comeback gave Kid, Kid Gorgeous. Um, and so, you know, as we, as, you know, time has gone on, we fell more and more into the John Mulaney hole. And it's been this kind of funny thing where, I'll tell you a perfect example, and I I know I'm a little bit all no, over the place. I'm no, clearly no. energized here. That's the point but of it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, what's funny is what's coming to my mind is when Courtney and I, my girlfriend and I got so into Mulaney, I immediately went to my younger brother, who he and I are so, so, so similar. But there are little things in our personalities that are different. And the little things that are in our personality are different. It's as if we had a third brother and it was Mulaney and that's why my brother is a little bit different. Like he has some of those quirks. He has the, the lankiness. He just like everything about him is become very Mulaney, but he was a little kid at the time. He was 12, 13 years old. And I was introducing him to Mulaney up, and it's sort of crafted who he turned into. Like it absolutely influenced like the type of kid he grew up to be and the way that he tells stories, like he'll use the same inflection. And and so what's so funny is I remember as Mulaney finally started to sort of burst onto the national scene when he was hosting SNL and everybody was falling in love with the stand-up, my brother's friends told him, we just realized you're not funny. You were just <laughs> copying John Mulaney. And it was the worst thing for him because he was like, oh no, they finally found me out, you know? Um, but I'll do the same thing because it's just... It's such a relatable language, the way that yeah. he is able to just connect. I I've said this a lot. It's like he's Seinfeld if Seinfeld was actually good at standing. Yes, thank you for that. Yeah. It it's observational in a way that's not so in your face. It's almost like you're going through your entire day and every little thing that happens and you're with somebody, they can point it out and make a joke about it. And it's everyday stuff. But side note. Thank you for doing the If Seinfeld Was Good at Stand-Up. Great take. And his show's brilliant. And it's I, the irony is that Mulaney then tried to make his own TV and show was, modeled oh. after Seinfeld, and it was yeah. horrible. So yes. if you combined them, they're the perfect comic. Yes. So a perfect example of this is mm -hmm. when Catholic Church bit for me. So very similar to John Mulaney, I was raised Catholic, and I haven't been to church uh, probably right. since I was a teenager. haven't seriously been since I was a kid. And I'm not very religious now. Again, similar to John Mulaney, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. So my wife is from El Salvador. So Catholic-raised uh, family. They, 
for Christmas and for other holidays, we'll go to church. So when Christmas, we go to their Catholic sure. church. They're nice enough to do the English Mass for me. And I walk in confidently just recalling the same way John Mulaney did, the, and also with you. <laughs> and I said it with such confidence. Yep. You know when you're at a party and you say something dumb and the music stops? That's it in a nutshell. But his genius, I think, is where he starts off with this broad joke where he's speaking to everybody. And before you know it, he lands the ending of the joke where he's only making sense to three people. Exactly. Well, and that that's the brilliance of the way that he tells a story. And it's like he constantly, at the, the beginning of every bit, connects it to everybody in the audience. But by the end of it, has narrowed it down so that everyone, just like, a Beatles fan, right? You could ask a hundred Beatles fans and every one of them might have a different favorite song. Every Mulaney fan that you ask has a different bit that's their favorite because he finds a way it's such a narrow sticking point by the end of each of those bits that it's just going to depend on what your own life experience is that you relate to some of them more than others. Um, like that one, I'm, I'm Jewish. I've never been to church. I crack up at that bit. My girlfriend laughs at it a little bit more because she's right. been to church, right? Like I just, I can't relate to it the same way. It's still hilarious, but the Best Buy rewards card bit, like I, it happened to me not two months ago, not at Best Buy. It was a Panera card. Like I was offered, Oh, do you want to, do you come to Panera often? Do you want a Panera card? And I was like, yeah, of course. And my girlfriend literally, it was the same thing, looked at me and was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Well, shout out to Panera on a side note, because a lot of people hate on Panera bread, and I love Panera's dry-ass bread, so uh, keep it up, Panera. No, Realizing yeah. that couldn't have been that couldn't have been a couple months ago, because it's you know been nine months of being indoors due to a pandemic, but you know I guess it was probably yeah. a year ago, I guess. It's in my brain, it's a couple months ago, because what is time anymore? Yeah, so if you start about seven years ago, we started New in Town. So you're like the person that discovered the band before they were cool, right? It's totally and, how it feels. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. You're the hipster of stand-up comedians. So how do you feel with the whole SNL thing? Because I started with Comeback Kid, meaning I started 2018, probably after he blew up, and then went back and saw New in Town, which is what started you. But again, how do you feel about the Saturday Night Live the fact that he's now one of the biggest stand-up comedians. Yeah, go. You know, it's funny. I, I Now I love it because it's been long enough of him being one of the most popular comics that I've gotten used to it. But man, in, yeah, it was, I guess, 2017, 2018, because it was back-to-back within that two-year span where it was Kid Gorgeous and, or sorry, Comeback Kid and then Kid Gorgeous. And he just, you know, really, by the time Kid Gorgeous came out, it felt like everybody knew who he was. And that was, like, hyped up. Um, And I remember, actually, it's funny, man. I have really specific memories with some of this stuff because I remember, you know, New in Town came out, I think, in 2012. And so it was 2013 when I was a freshman in college and I met my girlfriend. And so that's when we would have started hearing some of those bits. Um. And so we obviously were constantly reciting that. And I went back on what I think was still iTunes at the time and bought the top part uh, because I wanted to listen to it because I was like, this guy's incredible. Um, and the salt and pepper diner bit that I don't know if you know that bit that well, because it's it's from his oldest stuff. But uh, it, it's basically I'm ashamed to even say I haven't heard or seen top part oh my oh you're this gonna is this going is to, gonna yeah. be a joy this is why for I needed you Jeremy here. I yeah this is gonna be no 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 this is so it wasn't a hugely popular 
stand-up, I think he might have even still been working as a writer at SNL at this point. I think that came out in, like, 2009, like, forever ago. Okay. He was in his early to mid-20s. As soon as um, this is over, I'm, I'm Oh, you're gonna, it's gonna be a joy. You're gonna have a blast listening to it. And and so there, there's a bit in that, that his closing bit is about the salt and pepper Diner, where he grew up, and... I'm going to let you listen to it now because I don't want to spoil the whole bit. He had he had a action uh, that, that he does in this bit that then my girlfriend and I immediately, as soon as we heard it, in turn, we're like, all right, well, we've got to go do the same thing. And I'm going to let you listen to that bit on its okay. own. That's like that's the experience that we were having with this stuff. It was like and we felt kind of like that. Yeah, like we found like the cool band before they were cool. And so when all of a sudden he's becoming really popular it was kind of this awkward, like, this is mine, you know, like I've, yeah. I've, and it felt like my own personal stories too, because when you're listening and you're relating so hard to this standup, like it's this weird thing where it becomes this like innately personal, like that's my friend, no different than everybody, anybody who listens to Lauer After Hours is a big Dan Levitard show fan, well, right? Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say is you're doing this parallel with the Dan Levitard show fans and hardcore comedian fans. And it's the same. The the feeling that I have toward Mulaney is the same feeling that I have toward the Levitard show where it's like I, I can relate so hard and I enjoy the bits so much that now it's like it becomes part of who you are. It feels like you're friends with them, you know, and all, and all of that. And that's how I felt, you know, growing up with Levitard show. And now I'm lucky to establish a bit of a relationship with some of the guys there. But, you know, it's 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 that similar feeling of like, you're now a part of this. And so in my family, you know, and not to go back, but like right. Mulaney's such a huge part of our family that like as soon as the news of him being in rehab was out there, it was like we were talking about a relative. Like right. it was like, you know, we were all very somber as a result because, you know, it, he's that much a part of our lives and that much a part of our like our own little bits within the family. Like it's yes. like we all tell these jokes to each other all the time. Um, and it's just, yeah, he's so relatable. Yeah. So a perfect segue here is the Dan Levitard show and John Mulaney. Another parallel is you don't get the show. Have you ever tried to get somebody into John Mulaney who are just not fans? They absolutely hate it. It's like I lose a friend when I tried to recommend John Mulaney and they don't understand it. So I feel really lucky because most people I've shown Mulaney to have had a very positive response. Like I haven't had even the people that have been a little lukewarm. I haven't had anybody like dislike. I know that there are people on the Internet who don't like John Mulaney and his comedy and I just choose to ignore them. And I also understand that maybe his comedy isn't necessarily for every audience. Like I relate so strongly to John Mulaney's experience because I, too, was in, raised in an upper middle class white home. So, like, I get what his child, like, what his experience was a little bit more. And so I know that he's speaking a little more directly to me than everybody else, albeit he crafts his jokes in such a great way that it can be relatable to anyone. And I don't think that yes. he is isolating. And that's what I think makes him so genius. But I get how there could be people who just don't get it, right? I haven't had that experience. Okay, well, it sounds like I just have shitty friends. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what's going on. My my genuine experience has been I just hate showing them the people because I just sit there and I watch them rather than watching the stand up. Like I I recently showed him to not I guess not recently again, I guess within the yeah. last couple of years, but I showed him to to two of my like best best friends from childhood, right? So like 
we kind of crafted our senses of humor together. And so in my brain, I'm like, I'm showing them Mulaney. And if they don't like it, our whole friendship is in shambles. Like, that's how I felt. Because I was like, this is where my sense of humor is going. And if yours isn't going there, I'm not sure we're going to be friends anymore. I kind of feel like you were giving it out there. And maybe you weren't. But uh, I grew up in a complete different household, right? I grew up a uh, single mother, three kids, two-bedroom apartment, no air conditioning in Texas. So I think you're just giving excuse to not understanding genius of comedy. <laughs> One thing you pointed out that I actually think is interesting to discuss is when you said that you show people John Mulaney or other stand-ups and you end up watching them more than you watch it. I find that to kind of be what I enjoy the most. Uh, my wife is a fan of the show or anybody else that I put on comedy. I almost enjoy watching them watch it to see the joy for the first time. It's almost like chasing a high, which I know is a horrible analogy. That's a good point. That's a really good point. And, and it's also like it is so fun because you're right. Like you grow, I think, with, with Mulaney's comedy for me and what's so what's so great about it. Now, this will cap off a point but what's so great about Mulaney's comedy is every time that I watch it I find something new that I appreciate about it um or every time I listen to it I pick up on something where I'm like man that's just so well executed almost in the way where I'm like you're listening to the right uh song and someone hits a note man it's just amazing that they can do that you know like the way that he crafts a story there will be times where I appreciate it so deeply that I'm 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 not even listening to laugh. I'm listening for the excellence of the comedy. But what's cool in showing someone that for the first time too is because every time you listen to it, you're gaining something new. It is fun to watch someone experience this incredible thing for the first time. You just are on. I'm on pins and needles, just praying that they're gonna like it. Is the problem, yes, and I care so much <laughs> about that that it almost ruins how much I'm enjoying watching them watch it. So it's it's like showing, so many layers. Yeah, it's like showing a friend any piece of art that you've ever done. Uh, I've done music. I'm sure you've done yeah. that on top of others and other things. But this time, you know, it's good. Where you know, I've showed things where I'm in my head. I'm like, is this actually good? So one time my wife and I went down to Austin and we went a little too hard, obviously. So on a drive back up to Dallas, it's a long drive. So we're like, you know what? We'll put on some John Mulaney for our cousins. And they did not get the quicksand bit. They did not get the quicksand bit. What? They, exactly. And did like, did you not have a childhood? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a joy. And like, I just think the way that, Again, like if you look through, like I'm, I'm literally scrolling on on Apple Music and looking at at what all of the different bits in New in Town are, and I'm like laughing out loud to myself, like and like I'm literally just like laughing myself just at the names of them because I remember how each of them sort of ends. It's just, it's just so wonderful, and I don't know. I I think that um, I think that when you find something. And maybe this is part of why it can be so frustrating when somebody doesn't like it, is when you find something that you consider to be genius, whether it's music, whether it's a radio show, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a comedian, any piece of art that is subjective. And so if it, no matter what, like we can say, you and I can sit here and be like, this is genius, it's perfect comedy, period. Yeah. Technically, there's no way for us to really be able to say that. And so anything is subjective. And so if you, if we feel that strongly about this and then you're showing it to someone, 
it's almost like you're bearing a part of yourself to that person and being vulnerable in showing them something that you love that much. And if they don't like it, it can feel very personal. Like I feel when I find out that people don't like uh, Mulaney or even for that matter, when I find out that there are people that like aren't fans of the Levitard show, I'm like, man, I thought I knew one thing about you and now I feel different. <laughs> yeah, it's like. I thought I knew what your personality was. Yeah. And maybe this is the callback stand-up type formula to the very beginning. Maybe John Mulaney is everybody's third brother, where he's the difference between me and the friend I thought were on the same page. And there's this one thing not right between us that's not <laughs> the same, and it's me liking it's John him. So, John Mulaney, you're the world's third brother. Yeah, the third sibling in all of these... Uh... Well, yeah, it's 2020, third sibling. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah, right. Well, it's funny. No, my experience with him was also so interesting. So New Encounter comes out in 2012. We, fall, we sort of fall in love with him in 13 and, and 14 by just listening to this stuff over and over again. And then he started touring for the Comeback Kid in 20... I think the first time I saw him was for free at UCF. Uh, he came and did comedy on campus. Uh because he was like big and it sold out our whole arena. And I can't remember, like he sold out the arena on campus, obviously, but he wasn't this guy to where it was. That would never happen now that he'd be there doing anything for free at a college. Um, and so we got to see him do some of the bits like played out as he was still perfecting them because yep. it was early. And that's what you do. You test it out on college kids yes. because that's half the market and they're not really going to care all that much. So you go test out your, your material on them and you do comedy clubs and whatever else. But it's probably when you're Mulaney, you get to a point that now he was big enough to where you can't do small clubs the same way. Right. And so you're doing, you know, college towns or whatever. But I remember in that he was still testing things out. He was still doing whatever. But when he told the comeback kid joke, the Clinton joke, and, and he prefaced it with, I realized that most of you were born during the Clinton administration, and so you're not going to really get what I'm saying here. But, I mean, uproarious laughter by the end of it for a bunch of people who were who just were born. being yeah. born during the Clinton administration. So it's so obvious how brilliant he is. And I've seen him a couple of times since I saw him on the Kid Gorgeous tour. Um, I saw him on the like actual Comeback Kid tour. Oh, dope. So you've seen quite a bit. We haven't done a lot of large scale, although we probably should. We definitely will when the world opens back up. I never, I'm not really either. And I much prefer to see, especially comedy in a smaller venue, something that's a little more intimate because it that's what comedy is supposed to be. But with Mulaney, it's worth it. And, and you know, for that matter, the, the big arenas or whatever, it's really still like only the, the 15 to 20,000. Yeah, they're not. They're arenas. not. Kind of he's not doing. You know, he's not doing giant. Exactly. He's yeah. never going to do those types of places. That's not the type of comedy that he. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so I think a couple of things that are special about his comedy that were very relatable for me, but also I think are just like important. So I'm going to bring up the most recent project, which is the John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, the special that he did on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Well, I, 
I literally like I have chills from you putting that together, which is weird. I don't know why I do, but it's just such a wonderful. Uh, it was such a wonderful show, and for for those of you who haven't seen it, I I could not recommend it more. And basically, John Mulaney put on like a kind of like a Mister Rogers almost type of musical experience, which you would never think John Mulaney in a musical. Uh, but they wrote all these songs with these young kids, and basically had all of these kids singing songs about the fears and anxieties and basically you know whether it was you know i think the first one was a kid singing about his grandma's boyfriend and how weird that was for him but then there was also one that was done with david byrne which is crazy of the talking heads but one done with david byrne where it was all about like just pay attention to me i'm being ignored by the adults and the interludes of the entire project were talking about your biggest fears and the things that you need to overcome. And, you know, he's such an incredible, like, the irony that the thing that is prompting us to actually have this conversation is Mulaney having to go to rehab here when you and I, I think, were destined to have this podcast at some point, regardless of what happened with Mulaney. Like, you and I, I have, have been kind of going back and forth on Twitter with Mulaney references for a few months now. This was bound to happen regardless. And why? Because of the other side of it, which is I think he's an incredible role model because he's so open and vulnerable about the things that normally make us feel our worst. And so like going from Sack Lunch Bunch back to one of the things in his his comedy, but he talks about how uh, eighth graders are the meanest people in the world, and they'll get to the thing that you don't like about you. Like, ha ha ha, look at that high-waisted man. He, look at his feminine hips. <laughs> it's like, that's the thing I'm sensitive about. Yeah. You know, it's the whole bit. But what that is, is that's him right there, like sharing something that he's genuinely sensitive about with the audience. And I think what, what is cool is while every single part of his bit is crafted, right? Of course. And every single story that he tells might be real, might not be real, right? We like he makes them feel real, but yeah. all of these comedians embellish. Um but the thing that is so special is that with him you do feel like there is a genuine connection point. He's really telling you things about himself and his vulnerabilities that you can connect to and like his like whole joke about how uh when when god when the angels sent him down from from heaven when they were making him uh that they forgot to flip the gay switch and they're like ah oh, you made that one gay right and it's like ah oh, no i guess that's gonna be a very silly person yeah. like that's so good and honestly i really relate to it like i'm a kid that grew up doing musical theater and being kind of awkward and weird and loving some like i love taylor swift and i love dua lipa and i love like i love a lot of really feminine things yeah. But I also like I cover sports for a living. Like I love sports. And so for me, as someone that was like doing a little bit of both of those worlds as a, you know, straight cis guy, but always being told like, uh, you sure, you know, it was one of those things where with Mulaney, I totally get what it is that he's talking about on some of those things. And it's just his it's, willingness yeah. to go to the places that make people uncomfortable in a really easily accessible way is just so awesome. Right, so I agree, because like where I grew up, and obviously we come from different backgrounds, but even where I come from... Absolutely. I'm 5'6", I've never been a tough guy, but you grew up in a tough area. Yeah, yeah. Or a tougher area. But there's always like this group of people around where if you don't meet their expectations of what's quote-unquote the manly man or the cool boy at such a young age, that they then have this opinion of you. And... 
especially back then, and I don't need to preface this with saying there's nothing wrong with being gay. I think if you're lucky enough, you grow up, gay or straight, doesn't really matter, to accept things that are not quote-unquote manly about you in society and own the joke and find the funniest version of that yeah it's not that serious if uh you have a high-pitched voice or you're short and i think that's what makes comedy so great yes i just think that the the key here is just that like this is a guy that i think people just really weirdly relate to so there's a comfort like he really i genuinely like it sounds crazy, but like for me, like sometimes I'll turn on Mulaney like the same because I need the same energy that I would if I needed a meditation because it's just so comforting like to hear. And, and yes, it's putting on the same jokes that I've heard over and over again that are obviously comforting. But it's also but, like he finds a way to take these stories that maybe aren't anywhere near my life, like his stories, for that matter, about his youth. And, you know, he tells stories about like blacking out at parties and all of these things that are hilarious. And also, like, he's owning, like, this was a part of my past that I'm not proud of and still making it hilarious. Like, and he's working that in there the whole time in such a brilliant way. Exactly. He just has really cool. And I guess it is. It makes sense. I was about to say he has a really great command of the English language. I guess that's what happens when you're a Georgetown graduate and you're a major (laughs) who majored in English. Well, right. So I guess that makes a lot of sense. But he has this really wonderful and warm. There's a warmth to it's so weird that he's this you know looks like on stage this like stuffy white guy in a suit right (laughs) right like that's like the vibe he purposely gives off and yet i feel more warmth when i watch his stand-up than i do with anybody else. yeah exactly and i think that another story because it's not always just a stand-up it could just be other things he does so about three or four weeks ago i couldn't sleep and i don't um, sleep well in general. So I always go downstairs so I don't annoy my wife as I'm up all night on my phone. And I spent three hours watching YouTube videos of John Mulaney doing these hilarious interviews. And I'm going to hate myself because I should know the host name. It's the host of the late night show. Is it Seth Myers? Yes, Seth, Seth Myers. Yeah. So the the stuff that he's done with Seth Myers is oh, uh, it's just great. It's hilarious. The fact that he wears that trench coat. Uh, <clears throat> it, it's great. And usually if I can't sleep, it's because I'm like paranoid about the worst stuff ever. How am I going to lose my job tomorrow or something crazy? So I just went looking for John on YouTube. And now it's probably the reason I was up for three hours. I could have just shut sure. up and sleep. But there aren't a lot of people that you go looking for three minute clips for hours to yep. find their entertainment. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Like I even find like it's just it's very influential in that, um, at least in my world where like i said like me and my girlfriend like that's like how we speak to each other and make each other laugh is through Mulaney jokes or even like i'll find myself like when i'm telling a story even on a podcast like if, if i bet i i will bet all the money in the world that if if you go back and listen to the first two or three episodes whatever however many episodes like the joke <laughs> we made at the beginning how yeah. many episodes i've been on of this podcast if you go back and listen there's going to be at least one story that i tell that you will be able to pick up the fact that I'm trying to sound like Mulaney as I'm telling it. Because I've noticed that accidentally when I'm telling stories that I I know there's going to be a bit of a punchline at the end. 
Yep. I'm telling it in the inflection in which he tells his stories in his stand-up. And it's just because it's like a friend influencing your music taste or a yeah. friend influencing, you know, what you think about. And so, you know. Yeah. As a guy that does him in parodies and stole his entire bit, I understand uh, what you're saying. I understand. Well, right. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the ones you've done with the team because I've only heard one. Oh, yeah. So... I listened to get a feel for you, and admittedly, and they won't be shocked. I haven't listened to all of the Lauer After Hour podcast, and I wanted to get a feel for you, right? Right. And uh, the best takeaway I have, or the funniest takeaway, is for some reason, Lou, or Bruce, decided three times to let you know he was begged to come on to talk to you. It was so so funny. funny. Oh, he is. He's awesome. No, he's great. No, he's great. I just love the idea of the host telling the guest flat out, I didn't really want to be here. I was just begged. Picking up on comedy like that. I mean, look, I, to me, that's what's so fun about listening. Honestly, listening to, to this podcast as this podcast continues to grow and listening, you know, to Levitard Show is that obviously blossoms in the way that it does. But like when you're trying when you're trying to be funny and you're trying to come up with bits and hearing bits sort of grow into what they ultimately become at the end. So like in Levitard god they do that all the time where they'll start with something on like a tuesday and then not on like the local hour and not really hammer it out and then bring it back on thursday and like a little bit of a different way because they feel like maybe they've improved it and then they won't do it for two weeks and then every single day they'll start going back to something like that and it's no different than when you're listening to really great stand-up and someone has pieced together a bit perfectly. And the difference is they're doing it live on the radio. So we get to see the behind the scenes. But that's exactly what Mulaney's doing when he's at his apartment writing his bits. It's, I'm going to write a piece of it, and then I'm going to let it go for a couple of days, and then I'm going to come back. And I know what I want the punchline to be, but I don't know quite how to get there. It's no different. So watching comedy kind of like blossom in that way, and I really credit, like, I've never, this is a funny thing or not funny thing, or I don't know what it is, but okay. like people now seem to, for whatever reason, find me to be kind of funny sometimes. And I'll tell you, like when I was growing up as a kid, I was not the funny kid. Like I was involved in different things. I could make my friends laugh or whatever, but I was never like the funny kid. And honest, I hard of hearts believe that like listening to John Mulaney made me understand what's funny in the world. And now has allowed me to like at least yeah, have a sense of humor. You know, no, like I'm no, not the funniest person in the world, but right. No, uh, I got it. Jeremy Taché compares himself to John Mulaney on Lauer After Hours. That's not what happened. <laughs> That's the last thing. That, that no, should just no, be no. that should just be the the title <laughs> yeah. of the podcast. Jeremy exactly Taché right. compares himself to John Mulaney. John Mulaney. No, That's I, not I at agree. all what I meant. No, man, I know. I'm just joking, but I agree with you um, that it's great to learn the art of telling stories. And like the same thing happens when we listen to the show, right? You listen to the way that they're setting up jokes or telling stories. And it's not like I'm trying to do this professionally, but you just mm-hmm. learn what's making it funny. And with our podcast, there, you know, there's multiple hosts, mm-hmm. so not necessarily time to build a craft, which is probably a good thing because I'm sure we so wouldn't hard. be. Like, yeah, I doubt most, if any of us, would actually be really good at it. And it's not slide, it's just honest truth. It's just hard. There's listening... professionals for a reason. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think, again, we're listening just to try to find out why it was funny or how it was funny. Yes. I think you're doing. Uh-huh. And I understand you have to, you know, get the afflictions and little details and timing. Um, I only recently have, have begun to understand how comedy really is crap. Like, really, truly, how. It's it's no different than, you know, there's a keyboard sitting right next to me and I need to practice my scales to get better, right? It's no different. 
it's really it's it's a it's a formula it's an instrument and you can sort of filter something through it and if you do it the right way that you know you can have an idea and a story and if you filter it through the right version you're going to have something funny at the end where if you filter it the wrong way it's just going to be a story yep. and so it's so cool how how that process works and i i for anybody who's listening but just a podcast i would recommend that i think is is it's not like Mulaney's sense of humor. It's it's a bit different, but it's a comedy podcast and it's sort of sportsy, but it's called All Fantasy Everything. Um, and it's uh, the comedian Ian Carmel, who's the head writer on the Late Show with James Corden. Um, and then some comedians Sean Jordan and David Borey. And it's the three of them, and they normally have a guest on to, to make round it out to four. And they oh. draft random topics in the universe. So most recently, they've drafted Thanksgiving food. And they've drafted things that make you know or realize that you're getting older. And they've drafted Disney songs and all these different things. And it's all these bits that because they've now had over 200 episodes, there's all these bits they've created. No different than Levitard that if you tuned in just to an episode now, all of the bits would go completely over your head. But you'll still laugh. And that's no different than the first time that you hear Mulaney and the 10th time that you hear Mulaney because you understand all the bits. So it's just, it's so interesting seeing the way the comedy sort of evolves that way. But anyway, I, I guess to me, just to like sum it all up, when you find, I think what makes Mulaney's comedy so special and what, to me, the reason that it, it connects in such a unique way, right? Where this, it, his following was like a bit of a, a weird, like, I don't want to say cult following because he obviously had enough fame to get his own TV show, you know, before anybody found some of his most recent standups yeah, right. and before he joined, you know, the TV show Big Mouth, which is just brilliant. But there was this weird cult following with Mulaney that blossomed. And for me, and I felt that because I was like, I'm the only one, you know, my girlfriend and I are the only ones that know. And then how that blossomed into him being the super famous guy. I think that the reason it happens is just because it, he finds this way to make daily life and the things that normally would depress us not depressing. And yep. so it's part of the reason why I uh, I was so sad when I heard that, you know, he was dealing with some of his, you know, demons here in alcoholism, drug addiction, because as the guy that has taken for me countless times the depressing things in life and put a non-depressing spin on it, for him to be in that space is, is is sad and I can only just like send all of my love and positivity toward him and everyone in his life because I can't tell you like the amount of times that I've been legit going through something and just turned on his comedy for comfort or have thought about the sad situation that I'm going through and related it to one of his bits and made that like a real positive spin and a different I just think he's he's one of the best to ever do the thing that we're watching them do. And I don't know how stand-up comedy is going to evolve over the next 10 to 30 to 80 years. And so maybe he'll be one of the last traditional stand-up comics. And I just think it's like really important that we like acknowledge. It's like, it's like when people don't acknowledge, for me as a baseball guy, it's like when people don't acknowledge that we're watching Mike Trout, who's one of probably the 10 greatest players ever in the history of the sport. And when I feel like we're not like paying enough attention, I get frustrated. I just want all of us to appreciate Mulaney while he's at the top of his game in the way that he's been right now. Yep, I agree. And I also agree that the direction of comedy is unknown, right? Not just the changes this year, but 
also the internet. Uh, but anyways, before we go, I guess I'll uh, leave with what it is that drove this to happen. So the day that I sent you a message and found out about this, I was on my way back from a funeral of a close friend. Oh and my so, gosh. Yeah. And you know, when you see that, you're already in an emotional state because you're coming back from a funeral, clearly. Uh, but then I saw that it was about travel. And that's where I, I found a relation. It was the COVID and lack of travel that drove him back to the demons. And and that's something that I've shared a similar experience with, where traveling for work about five years ago when I switched jobs was a blessing in disguise that actually helped me get away from uh, some of the things that I was doing that weren't necessarily best for me for mental or physical health. So, uh, yeah, it's just crazy to think that travel can impact you that way or lack of travel but i wanted to do this and i know you did as well not to address that or react to that just to say thank you to john mulaney for everything he continues to do as a comedian and the relief he provides us and uh like uh, jeremy said nothing but positive vibes towards you and your family and best wishes this is really fun man yeah, thank you I, I appreciate you doing it man nobody builds 5g like verizon builds 5g because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.